0: So, let's, let's pray and let's get into today's, today's message. So, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for, for meeting with us this morning already. God, and I pray, Lord God, that as we've, as we've drunk tea and coffee and chatted, Jesus, you'd, be, you'd have been amongst us. God, as we hear your word now, that you'd be with us. God, I pray that you'd give us soft hearts to hear this message, God, and you'd give us The strength and the boldness to respond where we need to. God, I thank you, Jesus, for what you've done already this morning, what you've been doing last night, what you've been doing with us as a church over the past uh, few months. God and I, I ask you to continue that this morning, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So this is the last time we're going to be in Mark this year. Um, Actually, we're going to, as I said, we're going to have a Christmas service next week, and then after. Christmas. We're going to do five weeks where we're going to go through our uh, five values uh, that we are a community loving biblical truth. We love the presence of God. We want to proclaim Christ. We want to serve, and we want to be authentic and real. And so, and then we're going to get back in February to to finishing off Mark, ending it on Easter Sunday. So, if you've got a Bible, like I said, turn to Mark 11. And we're going to be in Mark 11 and Mark 12. Now, I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm going to dip in and out of it. It will come up there, but it's always useful to be able to follow along. Um, I encourage you to always to follow along uh, on your, in your own Bibles um, to know where we're up to and what's around it as well. So, it is a lot of Scripture, but ultimately, this morning, what I want you to take away from it is that what Mark is writing about here in these two chapters, he's writing about worship. He's writing about worship. He's writing about the fact that you and I, we were created to worship. He's writing about the fact that God deserves all our worship. He deserves all of us. He's writing about the fact that actually, when we do what God wants us to do, when we give him all our worship, when we give him all our praise, Actually, we are fulfilled. He doesn't need to do that, but somehow when we worship him, when we give our all to him, we are fulfilled like we cannot explain. And actually what he's going to talk about, is going to talk about what does it look like to bring acceptable worship to God. So I'm going to start here by reading right in the middle, really, of this long piece of scripture. And I'm going to start in Mark 12, reading verses 28 to 34. It says this One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer he asked him Of all the commandments which is the most important The most important one Jesus answered is this Hear O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one Love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul all your mind and with all your strength The second is this love your neighbor as yourself this th- there is no commandment greater than these well said the te- well said teacher the man replied you are right in saying that god is one and that there is no one but him to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices when jesus saw he had answered wisely. He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And for that, from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. So we have this guy. Okay, Jesus, he's arrived in Jerusalem and he's teaching. And loads of people, the Pharisees and the scribes, if you look back in chapter 11, you see the Pharisees and the scribes, they come coming to him. Ian taught last week, how that he was teaching his disciples using a fig tree as the analogy and how he said that he would, if you have enough faith that this obstacle, and actually what he's pointing to is the temple mount, would be, could be taken from where it was and thrown into the sea, that actually nothing can stand in our way if we have enough faith to get to God. And so this, te- this, this guy comes to him and he says, teacher, I have all of scripture if you hold your Bible, the majority of it is Old Testament, and that's what they would have had. It says, out of all of these pages, what's the most important thing? What's it all about? Teacher, what does true worship ultimately look like? You know, what, does, what does loving the Father, what does loving God, what pleases the Father most? And what's interesting do you get the guy's response? Jesus says, you know, to love God with all you've got, to love God with, with your, with, with your um, heart, soul, mind, strength, with everything, and then to love your neighbor as well. And, but what's interesting is the, te- the, the guy who comes to Jesus doesn't go, oh, all oh right, okay. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And what does he say? He says, you're right. You're right. So we see here that straight away, the guy wasn't coming to Jesus to ask me a question. He was coming to test him to see, Jesus, do you actually know as much as keep people say you do? But actually, he knew the answer. And what we find from Jesus is, what does Jesus say? He said, when Jesus heard his response, he said, you are not far from the kingdom, which is nice, but it's, I think as you're laughing, it's not there, is it? I'm really close, I can almost touch it. But you're not in the kingdom. And and so how many of us are the same? We can can say, I know the answers. Someone might ask you on the street something about Christianity, might ask you something about your faith, and you're like, well, I know the answer to that. Are you doing it? Are you doing it? Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, with everything. Love him. And now I don't want to take anything granted here. Who is he talking about? We can say God, but who is he talking about? Because there's many small g gods, as we've seen over the past, past few weeks, there's many small g gods which all buy um a competing for our attention, you know, money, sex, success, fame. Allah, um, individualism, family, you name it, there's many, many small gods which are all competing for our attention. but there is only one God who deserves your all, who deserves your everything. You see, the, these guys who are asking Jesus all these questions, these are what we call the Jewish elite. These were the scribes, these were the Pharisees. These were the guys who knew their Bibles inside out. Okay, and actually, they had life pretty nice. I mean, no one really had life amazingly under the Roman Empire, except for the Romans. The rest, it was pretty rubbish life. But the Jewish elite, they had things pretty nice. They had the temple system. They had work deals, especially this group called the Sadducees. They'd work deals with the Roman officials so that they could do things basically what they wanted to do. They could could live life how they wanted. Actually, they could get reasonably rich and not be Roman citizens. They'd worked really hard. They were also, they were from the right kind of families as they'd see it. They were, were, as they saw it, descendants of those who Moses said um, a couple of thousand years ago, you're the priesthood. They they were descendants of them. So they had worked hard. They were from good family. And actually, also, they had studied really hard. These guys were smart. These guys, I mean, most of us, I'm sure all of us probably, we need to look up what the Bible says about X, Y, Z. These guys, you just told them where it was, and they just quote it. They knew it off by heart. These guys were super, super smart. They were worked hard. They had good birth, good good breeding. They had good birthright. They were well-educated. And these guys... They come to Jesus, and, and they see that Jesus is starting to stir things up. He's starting to annoy them because he's saying stuff like the sacrificial system I'm, I'm doing away with. I'm going to do away with this stuff. And they don't like it. So they rightly, they come to Jesus, and they ask him earlier on in this passage, they say, what authority do you have, Jesus, to say these things? Ultimately, who are you, Jesus? Who are you? Who are you, Jesus? Actually, what Jesus goes on to say is he quotes. He quotes from Scripture, and he says, he quotes from Deuteronomy 6, and he talks about loving the Lord your God. And what Jesus is going to do in a minute, he's going to actually say, that's me. I'm God." Which you'll read in a bit. It says actually they go away and they want to kill him because they understood exactly what he was saying. Because to claim to be God is blasphemy and therefore deserves death. But he reads when he's when he's um, when he's t- talking to him and he quotes from Deuteronomy six and he says, "I am," as he says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, everything." And when he says Lord, he means Yahweh. It's the word Yahweh. Any time in your Bibles when you see the word. Lord in capitals, all capitals, it means Yahweh. And now in the New Testament, in Mark, it's not. It's not Yahweh, it's just Lord. But the quoted text from Deuteronomy is, he's saying Yahweh, which means the self-existence, eternal God. He is Elohim, the supreme God, and he is one. When they come to him, and they say, so they come to him and say, who are you then, Jesus? Because it sounds like you're saying you're him. Now, you can't be him. So, who are you? And they, Jesus then, in, in Mark 11, he will go, he then says, all right, I'll tell you who I am. If you ask, answer me a question. They don't want to answer the question, so Jesus doesn't tell them who he is then he does. But then he does. So right at the beginning of Mark 12, Jesus answers their question in a truly Jesus way. He tells a story. And when when he tells stories, he's always looking at, say, who are you in the story? And hint, it's never usually the hero. No, it's never the hero. God is always the hero in the story. So let's read Mark 12, verse 1 to 10. It says this, A man planted a vineyard. Remember, this is in response to, who are you, Jesus? He says, a man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it and dug a pit for a wine press and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard for some farmers and moved to another place. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. But they seized him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant to them. They struck struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. He, He sent another, and that one they killed. He sent many others, some they beat, some they killed. He had one left to send, a son, whom he loved. He sent him, last of all, saying, they will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and threw him out of the, out of the vineyard um, to, the, to the other. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you read this passage of Scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. They knew what Jesus was saying here. So who's God the Father in this this passage? You can answer. It's not rhetorical. Who's God the Father? The owner. He's the owner. Who's Jesus? The Son. Yes. Who are they? The tenants. They are the tenants. See, Jesus is saying, you are tenants. They are saying, no, Jesus, We've got what we've got because we've worked really hard, because we've done all the right things. And Jesus is saying, Yeah, you might have worked really hard, but actually, everything that you own, everything that is yours, everything that is good is from God. Not just the job, not just your position. But actually, everything you have. we, We out here, we might say, actually, well, I've got money. And I've got money because I worked really hard. And yes, I believe you did. But actually, the ability to work hard is from God. The health to have that job. The mind to be able to do the job that you did. Everything is from God. He is saying, we are just tenants. We are just tenants. And without the landlord... We've got nothing. Without the landlord, we've got nothing. You might have, he's saying to these, these Pharisees and Sadducees and all the Jewish elite, he might, be, he might say to them, you know, you may have authority, money, position, education, but it's all from God. It all comes from God. Your authority comes from God. Your home, your job, your family, they are all gifts from God. See, we are just tenants. We are just tenant farmers. He is the Son. Jesus is Yahweh. He is Yahweh Elohim, one with the Father. And it is Him, Jesus is saying, that we are to worship with all our mind, soul, strength. He is the one who we are to come to and give everything to. You see, we may. And many of us do, we might come here on a Sunday, we might meet Christian friends, and we might say with our mouths, you know, Jesus Lord, yeah, we believe Jesus is Yahweh, he's Elohim. But are we truly giving him everything? Are we truly giving him our all? And we say this is extremely difficult, especially when we put ourselves in the wrong box when we believe, oh, I'm a self-made man, I'm a self-made woman. I've got all I've got because I did it. I did it, I deserve. See, that's completely wrong. That's completely wrong. You see, yes, we work hard, we're called to work hard, we're called to use the gifts and talents that God has given us. But actually, without the landlord, we've got nothing. Without the landlord, we've got nothing. So we find it, we'll find it so much easier to be able to give God everything when we put him and us in the right position. We put him in the right position and say, yes, I realize that you are the supreme God. You are the self-sustaining, I am, the Yahweh, who, from who... From who? comes every good and perfect gift. You created everything. And me, without you, I have nothing. I only have what I have by the grace of God's. And actually, do you know what? Maybe like us, the Pharisees, these guys, they don't like this. And when they're confronted by a hard truth, I don't know about you. They try and change the subject. Anyone, anyone, you know, you're talking to someone, they ask you a tricky question, which you know they're right, and you just can't, just, your brain is worrying on not how you can answer the question, but how can you change the subject and hope that they'll forget about it. So they do exactly the same thing. They then move it on, and they say, they say to him, then some of the Pharisees and Herodians say to Jesus to catch him in his words, they came to him and said, teacher, trying to change the subject, we know, bit of flattery, always goes down well, you know, um, you know teacher, we know that you're a man of uh, integrity. You aren't swayed, as they're trying to sway him, by, by others because you pay no attention. I love how they're telling him everything he doesn't do whilst they're trying to do it um, to, to who they are. But you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. It is right, is it right? I mean, this just seems to come out of left field, this does. Is it right that we should pay taxes? Should we pay taxes to Caesar? Should we pay them or not? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me, he said. He asked them, bring a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's. And he could have ended it there. But because they're trying to drag it off point on who is Jesus and what does true worship look like, Jesus then grabs it and he could have left it with, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. And he grabs it and he brings it back and says, I'm not being swayed, but give to God what is God's. You see, we are all tenant farmers. We have nothing without the landlords. And these guys come to him and say, yeah, but Jesus, how about taxes? Let's try and throw taxes in there. And that's just like, you know, we spoke about marriage a few weeks ago. Remember about marriage? They didn't ask Jesus about divorce and remarriage and all that kind of stuff because they cared about divorce and remarriage. They asked it because they wanted to get him in trouble with Herod. This is like the same thing. They think, oh no, we're losing the battle what could we ask Jesus, which is going to get him in trouble? So they ask him about taxes. And the reason why they're doing this is basically they go in, they're handing him a coin and saying, heads you lose, tails we win. You know, you, you tell the people not to give taxes. That means you're going to get arrested and killed by the Romans. Job done. You're out of our hair. You tell the people that they have to give taxes. They're all going to leave you, and we don't even need to bother about you anymore. So, amazingly, because Jesus is smart, far smarter than any of us, he, he answers and just says, well, give to Herod, give to Caesar what Caesar's. He doesn't tell them to give taxes or not to give taxes. He just says, if you owe something, give it. But the most important thing is, give to God what is God's. What belongs to God? everything, everything. So what are, what are we called to give to God? Everything, our mind, our soul, our strength, everything to God. He wants it all. He deserves it all. See these Jewish, these Jew, Jewish, Jewish leaders. They, were, they came, they gave their big prayers, and they, they, would, they would, as we'll see in the final story, they'll splash a bit of money every now and then. They'll, they'll make big promises. They'll sing big songs so everyone can hear them. They'll, they'll even say amen in the right place. You know, when the preacher asks a question, they'll answer. Lost. <laughs> um, thank you. <laughs> Welcome to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. But um, For more um, CC Blackpool. Let's do it on cue. But Jesus tells them that they're just a bunch of hypocrites. They might all be all show. They might be all look at me, how great I am, how much I worship God. But it doesn't mean a thing. And I think when Jesus is talking to these guys, he's got Isaiah 58 in his mind, because in Isaiah 58, the people of Israel. They're they're doing exactly the same as these guys. They're coming to God and they're they're saying, we worship you, God, you're amazing. But actually, their lives are a picture of not giving anything to God. They'll come on a Sunday and say, Jesus, you have my everything. Jesus, take it all. And then Monday morning, it's right. What can I have for myself? What can I keep for myself? And How can I build myself up? And it says in Isaiah 58, it says this, is this not the fast I choose? In fast, it was like it's what well, in this sense he's talking about prayer and worship. Is this not what I choose to loose the bonds of the wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke? It, is it not to shape, to share your bread, sorry, with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to clothe him, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall the light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rearguard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, here I am. How interesting is that? Just that that's That second bit especially, then. He's saying, when you worship me, when you worship me with your everything, not just saying on a Sunday morning, God, your everything, God, I give you my all, but then do what you want for the rest, rest of your week, rest of your time. See, isn't that interesting? He says, then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. And when we call on the Lord, he'll say, here I am. See, Jesus isn't saying, by the way, don't get together and have a great time worshipping on a Sunday. He's not saying, don't sing. He's not saying, don't pray. You know, you've got a great prayer, pray it out. He's not saying, don't do that. He's not saying, if you've got a scripture, don't read it. He's not saying, if you've got a prophecy, don't bring it. Actually, what he's saying is, is actually, and he's not saying, that we should just scrap all this and we should just go and all do social action no he's not that's not what he's saying but actually we come on a sunday we come when we meet together when we gather to worship and our worship should be an overflow of what's going on in our hearts it should be an overflow No, God, I'm meeting with you. God, I've given you my everything, and you're showing yourself to be good, and you just can't hold it in. You want to sing. You want to give praise to him. You want to shout it out. You want to sing at the top of your lungs how how good he is. It's just an overflow of what's going on. I mean, if you're struggling, if you struggle on a Sunday when you're in a room full of faith, then the chances are you've probably been struggling all week to give your all to him. You know, we, we come on Sunday, and, and, and we, we come, and it's a time where we, can, where we can say, we can declare, we can get prayer, and we can be filled up again. I'm not saying we don't get filled up during the week. We're called to be filled up with the Spirit every single day, but actually there's something special about being in a room full of faith and receiving His Spirit, and that empowers us to go out. You read in the Gospels, you read in, in Acts. Time and time again, just before, you read all the miracles that happen in the book of Acts. You read the few verses before, it said, they went out filled with the Holy Spirit. So, guys, we're we're called to come and worship him, get filled up by him so that we can go out into the rest of the week and give our all for him. And So, if you're struggling on a Sunday to give your all, you're probably going to struggle Monday morning to give your all. You see, it's not we do social action, we give to the poor, or we have great times of worship. It's both. It's both. It's in all my life Sundays, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We give our all, whatever that looks like. That means we give our all. We give our all when we're at work, we give our all to our family, we give our all. To wherever we find ourselves, we give our all in singing. We give our all in searching the scriptures because we're doing it for His glory. We're doing it out of obedience. That's why, why we love to baptize people. As I say, we're having baptisms in February. Um, we do it part of the reason why we love baptisms. It's because it's 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 people saying, "I want to give my all to Jesus." I may not even understand. What on earth getting wet has to do with anything? It seems like, I mean, let's be honest. It's a very odd thing to do. There's not many of your friends out there who aren't Christians who are saying, right, we're going to fill a tub with water and get wet and pray over them. It's a very weird thing to do. But God asks us to do it, doesn't he? He asks us to do it. So actually, part of baptism is that it's pleasing to God because we're giving our all. We're giving our all to him. See, wherever we are. You see, and Jesus says, actually, that when we give our all for him, what does he say? He says, when we give our all for him, whether it's directly on a Sunday when we're giving our money or whatever, or whether it's to our friends or to that stranger, that person in the car, When we're doing those things, that feel like, where is God in those things? What does Jesus say? He says that when you give, when you do for the least of these, you're doing for me. You're doing for me. So I want to encourage you guys. Where is God calling you to give your all? I want you to search yourselves this morning. Are there areas of your life where you're like, no, I've given Jesus this? Actually, I'm still holding on to these, this thing, these things. Actually, they're all things. And actually, the really annoying thing is, you might go, Jesus, I give you my money. And then all of a sudden, you're tempted to take it back again. So we have to to continually go, Jesus, I give you my all, but I want to take it back. No, no, I give you my all, but I want to take it back. No, I'll give you my all. We have to continually keep doing it. It's a continual thing every day. It's part of the struggle. And finally, Jesus then shows us. It's an amazing picture, this. Jesus then shows us a real life parable. Something happening right in front of him. He's he's just in the temple courts, and he just goes and sits down, and he's watching. And I'm sure he knows what's going to happen, but he's just saying to those around him, see that woman over there? Just watch her, because I've been talking about what it means to give your all, that God, that Jesus deserves everything. This woman, who no one has noticed, you notice her right now, because she is a picture of what it looks like to give your all in worship to God. This is Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were being put, and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw large amounts, but a poor widow came and put into it two very small copper coins. Just for interest, those of you who may be slightly older, the King James Version says a farthing. Does anyone actually know what that is? A quarter of a penny. Huh? Of an old penny. So whatever that is, it's not much, okay? Okay? Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put everything, all that she had to live on. Let's say, firstly, giving your all is a personal thing. Giving your all is something that is between you and God. You know where you're not giving your all. It's not for us to say you're not giving your all. Okay? It's not for us to judge others. The Holy Spirit can can, can bring other, can can convict our hearts. We're not there to judge one another's. So actually, we would we, with our eyes, you know, we've we've got this fund or we've got this kind of we want to give to the poor, you know, as we're doing, we want to give to the poor this Christmas. And we're looking and we see these rich people come in and yes! of money, lots of money. This pathetic woman with a half a penny or whatever, what's that gonna do? I mean obviously she's probably got more to give. She's just holding back. She's just giving the she's just giving whatever is in her back pocket, isn't she? But Jesus sees the heart. He's no these rich guys they had they were holding back an awful lot. But this woman who gave the least actually she gave everything. She was giving everything, all that she had to God. See, she knew that she was just a tenant. She knew that however much she had, however small amount it was, or however how much she would have in the future, it was all down to God. She knew that God was the God who had given her everything. And even though it wasn't much, she loved him. And she was willing to give him everything back, heart, mind, soul, and strength. She strove to love others as God did. See, I'm not, I'm just telling this next little bit, I'm not saying I'm perfect by no means. Um, but um, I don't, if you've got this, you might have got this from being around me for a bit. But health is really important to me in Jen, Health's really, really important to me. I don't have a lot, so it's, you know, this is the best I am all week. Oh, well, actually, last night was probably the best. I'm kind of just I'm kind of on the adrenaline rush now. Um, <laughs> um, but actually, health is really important to me because actually, the healthier I am, the more I can do for Jesus. He doesn't need me to do it, but actually, I get to join in. The healthier I am, the more money I can earn, which means the more money. I can give to Jesus. The healthier I am, the more time I can spend with other people, which means the more time I can spend investing in them and speaking to Jesus with them. See, my heart is that we all desire more. I want you all to have more. As we said the other week, if you're good at making money, make more money. It's not sinful. But actually, we can use, but if you've got a heart of, I want to give it all to Jesus. And therefore, you make more money. The kingdom, you get. God doesn't need more money, by the way, okay? He doesn't need your money. But you get to participate more in your giving, in your serving. God will do it one way or the other. He'll either do it through you or he'll bring someone else. Don't miss out on your opportunity. You see, I want to see I want to see so much done in this place. I want to see God do more than I've ever seen before. You see, this woman was the same. That's why she was able to give everything. And Jesus challenges us to do the same. So where is your life? Where is your life? Where in your life are you holding back? I mean, what I love in that passage from Isaiah which I reckon Jesus was thinking about at the time is that if anyone can remember when they when people give their all when we give our all to Jesus when we stop holding back can anyone remember what he said what did Jesus say what did God say that his promise was when that happens your light will shine what else Healing, yeah, and people will see. You're right, actually, do you know what? Well, you probably do. If you've been around here one week, you'll know. I'm really passionate about healing, really passionate about healing. I believe God's alive and he can move today. And I believe, like that, God can make anyone well. He can deliver us, he can make us well, just like that. And it is a grace gift, but somehow, for some reason, actually sometimes God doesn't. And I think part of that sometimes is he's wanting us to desire him. He's wanting us to fight in prayer. He's wanting us to actually say, Jesus, I want you so much. I'm going to stop holding back whatever I'm holding back, and I'm going to give you everything. And then he goes, there's a man, there's a woman I can use. Now, I'm not saying that if you pray for someone and you see them healed, that you're perfect. I'm not saying you have to be perfect to pray for someone and see them healed. But actually, there's a sense here. and And I want us to see it in greater measure. I want to see God move in greater measure. I'd love it. I don't want this just to be a dream. I want this to be a real thing. That you are out in the streets and you hear conversations. Oh, I've just been diagnosed with cancer. I've just... Been, I've just been, um, I've just, I, I've I broke, my le- I broke, I broke my neck, I broke my leg or whatever. And I've got this life-changing situation now. And the word comes, why don't you go to Christchurch? Because they seem to believe in a God that heals. And when they pray, you know what, sometimes they don't even pray. And just as they're worshiping, people are healed. I mean, it's already happened. I, see, I don't want to just see it once every few weeks. I want to see it every week. I, don't want to, I want to not just be saying next year, wouldn't it be great? I want us to be able to say, do you know what? This happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. You know, we can all look back a couple of weeks ago and say, wasn't it amazing for Monica? And actually, let's have more of it. Let's have more of it. But we're not going to have more of it if we're all just a church of, yeah, Jesus is just an optional extra. You know, I go and I like singing a few songs. I go to hear a message. I feel good inside. And then I just get back on my daily life. No. If we seek him with all our soul, mind, body, spirit, strength, I've been reading this all week, and I still can't remember which ones he says. But um, if we seek him with everything, we worship him with everything. Actually, there's a sense of as we do that, healing comes freedom comes so don't you want to see that more don't you want to see that more so like i said at the beginning these passages are about worship these passages are about jesus worship worshipping him it's about when we worship it is good it is good to worship him. And you don't need to just feel that goodness now. You can feel it this afternoon, tomorrow. And actually, we see seen the acceptable worship to God is when we say, Jesus, have it all. Have it all. I'm going to finish there. I'm going to pray. But so, Jesus, I ask you, God, come. Come, Spirit. Come show us where we're holding back. Come show us where we're not giving you everything. God, I pray that you change our mindset to not that we have got all this stuff and God, we might occasionally give you a bit, but actually you've given us everything. And what a joy and delight it is to say, no, Jesus, use what I've got for your glory. Jesus, change us right now. God, and I pray for those of us here who might be suffering. God, I pray for those of us here who who need healing. God, I pray that you would heal us. God, I thank you, Jesus, that you're not a God who we need to twist the arm off. Actually, James and John, they're walking through the streets, and they don't say, please, Jesus, heal this, this man who's lame. They don't say, Jesus, if it's your will. They say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Lord Jesus, that's the God who we worship. So God, any sickness, any disease, God, we tell it to go. Go in your name. If there's those who are here or those who haven't been able to make it this morning because of mental illness, they feel alone, they feel depressed, we say spirit of depression, go in Jesus' name. God, if there's those who are suffering, Lord Jesus, with long-term illness where there's no hope medically for them, Lord God, we say, go. Go in your name. Lord Jesus, we pray for friends. We pray for family who don't even live anywhere near us, who are suffering right now. Lord Jesus, we say, go. Lord God, we say, may illness go. Lord God, may chronic illness go. May cancer go. Lord Jesus, may it go in your name, Lord Jesus. Not because we're great, not because we're awesome, but because you are the God who defeated sickness, sin, and death. Lord Jesus, make us a church, God, who gives our all to you. Not just a little bit, not just holds back one or two things, but God constantly is striving to give our all to you. And Lord Jesus, may we be a church that is a place where people go, do you know them? If you're feeling sick, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling depressed, go to them. I don't know why, but somehow when they pray, things happen. God, do it amongst us. Make us hungry for you. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, downloads, and podcasts, please visit ccblackpool.co.